You are listening to The Single Momcast, and I'm your host, Mel Hyatt. We are in part two of the series, Thoughtful. It's our time to take control of our thoughts and allow those thoughts to make our lives a little brighter. In this podcast, we will explore the idea of finding joy in all things. We will look around at our own lives and find people, places, and things that bring us joy. The story of Paul and Silas will challenge us to count it all joy as we face trials and tribulations in life. Now that we've discovered kingdom thoughts, it's time to add a little joy into our lives. Arise, moms. Enjoy this word from our friend, Ashley Engel. I used to go to church with a woman named Jill. Jill was one of the most joyful people I've ever known. Years ago, she was hit by a car and was terribly injured. Doctors weren't sure if she'd survive. She did survive, though she continued to battle her injuries for the rest of her life. Despite dealing with the pain and struggles from her accident, Jill was a light. She was a devoted wife, mom, grandmother, and friend. She served the church in every way she could, from greeting people at the door, holding babies in the nursery, hosting baby and wedding showers for people, cooking meals, and singing on the worship team. She had a themed sweater for every holiday, and she celebrated life in a big way. Jill passed away several years ago, but I will always remember the joy that just shined out from her, no matter her physical challenges. Recently, I went to the Bible on a dark day to find some comfort. I found myself in the book of James, and as I read, I came to a verse I know well. This is James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So this command from James, this is challenging. Count it all joy when you get in an accident or when someone close to you gets sick. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you lose your job. Count it all joy when your child is struggling to make friends or is making dangerous choices. James, this is enough to make someone slam this book closed and walk away. But the joy James is thinking of can't be an emotion because emotions cannot be commanded. You can't feel a feeling on command. Quick, feel happy. Quick, feel angry. Quick, feel embarrassed. Sure, you can act like you feel those things, but you cannot actually feel them on command. So what is this joy that James is talking about? Craig Blomberg, one of my favorite professors from seminary, says in his book From Pentecost to Patmos that here James must be talking about a mindset rather than an emotion. This joy is a deep-seated contentment that we can choose to adopt. We choose it. Right now, all of the difficult things we're facing require us to choose this James 1-2 mindset. Times are tough, but those of us who follow Jesus, we're different. We can choose contentment even now because God is working for our good in the difficult circumstances. God doesn't cause the difficult circumstances. 
They are the result of sin and brokenness in the world. But he does use them for a good purpose. Paul tells the Roman church in Romans 8, 28, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Remember Jill? One evening at a prayer service at church, she was asked to share part of her story. I remember her joyfully, yet through tears, thanking God and praising him for her life, praising him that she could live to see her grandchildren. That is such a picture of James 1, 2 through 4 to me. Jill suffered a traumatic accident and dealt with painful injuries, but she chose to see the blessings and the joy in the midst of her trials. Her life was a good and beautiful example to so many people. Let's look at a story in scripture about two believers who chose to consider their difficult circumstance an opportunity for great joy. This one comes from Acts chapter 16. The apostle Paul and his friend Silas are in the city of Philippi, making contacts with people and ministering to them. A slave girl who is possessed by an evil spirit has been following them around, announcing who they are and what they're doing. Finally, Paul becomes frustrated with her and sends the spirit out of her in Jesus' name. The girl's owners become furious because she made them lots of money as a fortune teller. They falsely accuse Paul and Silas, and the two men are beaten and thrown into prison. So here we see Paul and Silas, missionaries for Christ, doing good out in the world, preaching the gospel and healing people, and they are thrown into prison. Not only were they thrown into prison, we see in scripture that they were severely beaten with rods. This was a common punishment under Roman occupation. Prisoners were flogged with long, stiff sticks with tree branches all over their bodies. And we have records of many people dying from these beatings. They were so intense. So this gets us up to speed. I want to pick up in Acts 16, 22. Read along with me. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. I want to stop here and share that many times these stocks were placed far apart from one another so that the prisoner's legs were often spread far apart, which caused horrible cramping. This on top of the beating they had been through. Now let's move on to verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Let's stop for just another minute. This is such a powerful, haunting, and beautiful scene. Paul and Silas, exhausted, hurting, so uncomfortable and cramped in their cell, it's midnight dark and quiet. And all of a sudden, these men begin praying and singing to God, worshiping in the midst of this awful situation. This, right here, is the kind of joy James writes about in James 1-2. This is not an emotion. If you had asked Paul and Silas in this moment if they felt joy, they probably wouldn't have said yes. 
They were in physical pain and they were beaten down emotionally. God had called them to this place to minister to these people. And now they were in prison. I'm sure their prayers and their singing were both beautiful and painful to hear. Maybe their ribs were bruised. Every breath was painful. Maybe they paused to gasp or wince in pain every time their muscles cramped from their legs being in the stocks. It probably started low and strained at first, and then it grew louder and more powerful as they went on, and they strengthened each other. So why did Paul and Silas endure this? Let's read on. This is verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. What a story. Paul and Silas chose to direct their thoughts to the James joy, that deep-seated contentment that comes from knowing God is at work all the time, all the time, even on one of the darkest nights of their lives. They were hurting, spiritually, physically, emotionally. They were in prison, and yet they chose to worship God. They would come out on the other side as more mature Christ followers who would be able to endure other trials that would surely come their way. We don't always get to see the good that God works through all situations that Paul talks about in Romans 8.28, but the beauty of this story is that we do. We get to see that because Paul and Silas chose the joy that Jesus offers, the other prisoners heard their worship and saw their faith in action. God opened the prison and set them all free, and the very best part, the jailer and his whole household, family, servants and all, believed in Jesus and were baptized that same night. And look at verse 34 again. Then he, the jailer, brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Anytime someone decides to follow Jesus is a cause for joy. So now for a practical step you can take to think the kinds of joyful thoughts James writes about. Earlier, I mentioned that we don't always get to see the good that comes from trying times in our lives. Usually, though, when we think back on those times, we can see the good that came from them. Start by writing down some difficult situations from your life. I understand it may be tough to think about them, but as you do, see if you can find some bright spots in them or good things that came as a result. 
I'll share a personal example. Several years ago, I walked through a season of intense anxiety. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I had never dealt with anxiety on that level before, and it took a good year of prayer, self-care, and help from my doctor to get a handle on it. It was miserable. I could never relax. I felt like a failure as a wife and a mom and a friend. And every day it was a struggle just to get normal tasks accomplished. I would never want to live that testing season of my life again, but I can honestly think about it now with joyful thoughts and see the good that came from it. So much good. Because of that experience, I have been able to minister to other people who struggle with mental illness. Because I lived it, I can speak about it from a place of authority and maturity. I can offer encouragement and advice and understanding. What a gift. If you can't see the good yet, do not be discouraged. You may be in the thick of a tough time, and maybe you're not quite ready to reflect on it yet, and that's okay. Just be encouraged and know that God's ways and timing are higher than our ways. Remember, He causes everything to work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Even the bad things in life. And because of that, we consider them joy. Join us for the next podcast in this thoughtful series, where Ashley will discuss how we can remain hopeful during difficult times. We'll consider the things we have learned about kingdom thoughts and joyful thoughts, and then discover how capturing hopeful thoughts can make a meaningful difference in our lives. We hope you have enjoyed this series by Ashley Engel. For more info or to access the video Bible study and questions to go along with this lesson, please go to arisesinglemoms.com. Thanks for listening to the Single Momcast by Arise Ministries.